Welcome back, everybody. It's Taco Tuesday! I'm Alex Padilla. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's Taco Tuesday. Alex Padilla. Alex Regler with you guys here on a Tuesday, a non-game day Tuesday. Alex at Alex M. Regler on Twitter. I'm at AlexBDA86 on Twitter if you want to follow along. Alex, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right, man. How you doing? I'm doing very well today. Doing very well. Um, you know, last week, the last time we talked, we we were like, what are they going to do in these three games before we get back on the air? We both were hoping for a 2-1. and one, And it really could have easily been a 3-0 and a week. It really could have. You know, they had a very brutal loss to the Mavericks. Luca made some amazing shots, but obviously, you know, the refing on that game was just atrocious. And then kind of a devastating loss on Sunday, the way they lost that game uh, to the 76ers. But last night on Monday, um, they beat the Rockets. They squeaked by the Rockets after having a comfortable lead there, 140 to 132. I don't believe there was a post-game show last night, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But how are you feeling after this? last week since we last spoke that's kind of been like the story of the season right like they're they're the lakers rarely get blown out for as bad as like they were in that two to ten start for has like short manned as they have been without ad without lonnie without austin they're they've been competitive almost every game and like you said they can easily have been three and oh against the two really good teams in dallas and philadelphia and then they almost coughed it up last night but they they secured the win but they just can't like they get they're right there and we're getting to the point of the season where like these moral victories like they are important like in terms of like we can see that they can be competitive with anyone but at the same time like with the standings being as close as they are it would be nice to see them kind of squeak out more of these wins um but I, overall like one and two in a, in, a, in a stretch against two playoff teams without ad like that's still that's okay I believe they're eight and six since Anthony Davis got hurt and eight and six includes the Denver game that he did play and get hurt. So, I mean, they weren't doing that with Anthony Davis. And so that's a positive. I think the way that they're losing these games, they're heart wrenching and it makes you upset and it makes you really feel like there's huge issues with this team, which there are, but it just almost like if uh, woulda, coulda, shoulda, right. But in the month of January, you know, they're four and two. LeBron James is having an MVP type season again. Just this month alone, he's uh, averaging 35 with almost 10 rebounds and eight and a half assists. I mean, LeBron James had a season high last night of 48. I know it was against the Rockets, but the fact that he could still do it is just simply amazing every single time you see him play recently. So it feels like it, like because of how they started, it feels like they're a lot worse than what they are. Maybe I've, I know yeah. that I've started to almost evaluate it more in a recency thing than like an overall whole. Because if you look at the overall, they're in what eleventh place. Um, no, excuse me, 13th, they are in thirteenth place. Uh, but when you look at the way they've been playing as of late, it's encouraging. And I kind of I don't know why my mind has shifted to look at it that way. But I feel like it's because it's a long enough stretch now where I'm okay saying they're better than what their record shows. I think that's the thing, right? I think we're already getting to the point where the larger sample isn't that two and ten record. Mm-hmm. Like that, that as bad as that was, like we're we've already passed that. We've already got like 30 or what, 25, 30 games past that, where this is kind of like 
what they are, or at least it's showing us like the larger sample points to them being more competitive. Cause yeah, they were two and 10, but they were getting blown out in those, in that two and 10 stretch. They were losing games kind of like how they're losing games still where it comes down to the wire. Like I still remember the game against the Blazers, the game against the Clippers where they lost like within that last minute of the game. And that's kind of been the story again. Like they, they're in it for the entire entirety of the game. And then whatever happens in the clutch, they just still haven't been able to, to get over the hump there. And you're talking about a team that LeBron has missed 10 of the 44 games. Anthony yeah. Davis has been 19 of the 44 games. Russ has missed three. Lonnie has now missed 12. Reeves has missed eight. Thomas Bryant has missed 14. Dennis Schroeder missed 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wenyan Gabriel uh, missed nine. Kendrick Nunn has missed not, uh, excuse me, Kendrick Nunn has missed eight. Uh, Patrick Beverly has missed nine. You're talking about a team that's been dealing with injuries up and down the roster. And I think the reason why um, uh, to go along with how they've played lately is the fact that the Western Conference is so bad, uh, especially <laughs> right now. Yes, they're in 13th place. But right now the Lakers are two and a half games out of being the sixth seed. And the Clippers are the sixth seed. Uh, the Clippers are three and seven in their last 10 games. And they're the sixth seed. So um, I think there's a lot of... I, I don't want to come on here and talk about all the stuff the front office has to do again. I think it's pretty evident that they should do stuff and they should try and improve this particular roster. But for whatever reason, and I guess I just named all the reasons, I'm looking at the Lakers in a more positive spin, even though they have a lot of negative features to them. Yeah, and I think just the fact that they're playing better, right? Like, And the teams ahead of them, a lot of teams, either because of injuries or just because they've underperformed, like, no one's really running away with it in the West to a point where you can say the Lakers against this team. It's like no way the Lakers can beat this team in a seven game series or just on a nightly basis. Like we've seen how the Lakers have played against Denver. We've seen how they played against a team like Dallas or Philadelphia. Like whenever they kind of play these upper echelon teams, they're not like getting run out of the gym. And yeah, like they have some struggles being a team like Atlanta, but they do win. Like they are beating the teams they're mostly supposed to. Yeah, it's not pretty all the time, but they are getting those wins. Uh, Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker has not played in 2023 yet. Austin Reeves hasn't played in two weeks. Both are expected to be reevaluated shortly, which is going to be a massive boost for them. Um, And I think it's going to be a necessary boost for them because if you look ahead to what the Lakers have coming up, we could talk next week and have a totally different mindset. We could mm-hmm. easily be talking next week and be like, okay, this team is, they are a shot. Because once they start facing really, really good opponents on back-to-back-to-back nights, uh, who knows what it's going to look like. The Lakers are going to play the Sacramento Kings, who are ahead of them. They're going to play the Memphis Grizzlies, who are the two seed. They're going to play the Los Angeles, uh, excuse me, they're going to play in Portland, who are currently the 10th seed. And then they will play the Clippers, who are the sixth seed. So they are playing teams in the playoffs. They're playing teams that are in the top six of the Western Conference, uh, which I guess I will just say they'll be playing the power teams of the Western Conference coming up in the next week. So hopefully they get some guys back. Um, but things could change quickly in the NBA. We've seen it. Look yeah, at the Suns. Like it, it, it's it's a, that, that stretch you just mentioned, Like that's a way for them to kind of lose ground and, and kind of lose rope of the, the ground they didn't make up here. Um, but it also gives them a chance to like, like quickly climb the standings. If they can somehow, even if they go like 500, like again, like 500 doesn't sound all that great, but in the Western conference, like, uh, like looking up and down the standing, there's teams like on three game losing streaks, four game losing streaks, like 
going 500 is a way to climb the standings in, in this day and age. So if they can just beat those teams that are right ahead of them, it's a really quick way to kind of like catapult themselves back into this because yeah, they're 13th. And like you said, they're only what two and a half games out, but they still have to jump a lot of teams, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're not the only mm-hmm. team that is one and a half games out. Like teams ahead of them also have to really like start losing for the Lakers to make up ground here. And they have to start winning. So yeah, they're right there, but at the end of the day, they kind of have to take care of their own business. Lakers are the worst of the contenders at the moment. The Lake, when I say contenders, is contenders for a playing spot. The Lakers are at the bottom of that because after behind them, it's only the Spurs and the Rockets. That's it. So, I mean, we're coming at it from a positive spin, but you could be looking at it as the Lakers are the third worst team in the Western Conference because that's also a fact. You know, as close as everybody is, that is what the Lakers are right now. They are... um Nine and fifteen against the Western Conference, and you brought this up before we hit record. They're one and seven in their own division, mm-hmm. and that's who they play. Well, at least the Kings, uh, they they take them on this week, uh, tomorrow night. Excuse me. So, I think there might be a, a certain amount of fan base that looks at it that way, where there isn't a big positive spin. Um, how are you looking at it as a whole right now? Where we stand, you know, pathway through the midseason now. Where are you where you currently sit with this team? I'm still optimistic. I'm still optimistic that if this is like the the real team in terms of how they're going to be competitive each night, uh, I, I hope that once guys are back and healthy and they're a fuller a full roster and stuff, like they'll be able to secure more of these wins that they can't like they have been able to. But yeah, like I still think they need to improve, and like obviously that's through external trades or whatever. But um, yeah, like I, what you mentioned there, like they're one in seven against teams that are division, but also like every team in their divisions ahead of them in the West. So, mm-hmm. and this is going like thinking really like down the road here, but in terms of like tiebreakers and stuff, like if you can't beat those teams right ahead of you and it, it's going to be this close all year and it comes down to being a half a game or tied, they're going to lose tiebreakers and they might miss the plane because they weren't able to beat the teams in their division. Uh, there is some news to report today as far as injuries go. Like we said yesterday, Darvin Ham told the press that uh, Lonnie and Austin should be reevaluated within a few days. Don't know what that exactly, the, what how many that is. But today, Shams Sharania wrote in his NBA trade deadline column, no, no Lakers trade talk in that column. But he did put a little nugget saying Lakers star Anthony Davis is aiming to return to the lineup by early February with a handful of games before the All-Star break. Uh, Davis has been sidelined since December 16th. So that is, I think, the first report I've seen with a with a date, even though it's not a date, and an actual timeline that Anthony Davis is aiming to return by early February with a handful of games before the All-Star break. Yeah, I mean, be, and that's going to be huge. Like, we're, like you said, we've kind of just been given vague, like timetables where he's like doing some work on, on court. Now he's, we saw some video yesterday pregame where he was kind of shooting on the court and stuff. So, I mean, all of the indications were that he was ramping up and he was set to make a return and it wasn't as bad as a lot of us feared where he would miss the whole year maybe, or that was it. So obviously this is good news. And I kind of do like the fact if he's able to be back before the all-star break, we can get him a few games in and then he kind of immediately get some rest again during that all-star break. So, I mean, yeah, the quicker he'll be back, the better as long as he's healthy, but uh, I I am going to be really curious how he looks, right? Because right. just getting Anthony Davis back, obviously that's going to help, but 
is he going to be at that level he was prior in, prior to the injury or is it going to be a more subdued AD, which even the subdued AD is better than the options they have right now. Right. I think a healthy AD is what we want. What we'll take what we can get almost uh, before the injury. He was averaging 27 and a half points, 12 rebounds, two and a half, six, two, 2.1 blocks and a career high of 59.4% from the field. Mm. You get that back. You get the way LeBron's playing. You get Lonnie back. You get Reeves back. If a, ma- if a move is made, you kind of start feeling very optimistic about the Lakers playoff chances at this, at that point. And, and a silver lining to the AD injury, which you never want to happen, but like guys like Thomas Bryant and Wendy Gabriel, I think have really benefited from like getting this, this, the, these reps, like their mm-hmm. confidence is sky high. Like a guy like TB wasn't really playing much because of it. He was injured when AD was there, but even before that, like he wasn't getting a lot of reps with him and, a guy like Wenyan was just kind of like an energy big off the bench. Now he's like playing a legit like 20, 25 minutes a night. So those guys have at least kind of built some confidence. And maybe when AD comes back, you at least have those guys also playing at their best. When I saw the Anthony Davis working out on the court pregame, I was like, that was just a sigh of relief because, you know, with AD and foot injuries, I just feel like you just never know. And you, you could hear reports and read tweets and all this stuff. But really, when you see the athlete on the court, you're like, okay, he's probably coming back unless something completely devastating happens as he's preparing to come back. So to me, I think, uh, man, the way he was playing, and I know, I just think it's just, just looking at the play, he got hurt again. You're like, dude, that could happen a hundred times a game. It's just, he's just so fragile that you still, when he's back, you're like, okay, how long are we going to have him for? If you pull, Every single Laker fan, and you ask them, will AD play every game that he's available to play for the rest of the season? And when I mean available, I mean like, like there's they might give him a night off. You know, they might do that. I'm I'm saying like, if do you think he would he's going to be available every game the rest of the season when he comes back? Nobody would say yes. No, and, and like that's again like that's kind of been his reputation, right or wrong. Like that's just. for any big guy right like that's just Mm -hmm. always going to be a risk anytime he steps onto the floor and unfortunately it's uh, been a continuous issue these past few seasons with him but man like when he was healthy he he was playing at an mvp level like he was doing everything the team could have hoped for he was the guy really keeping them afloat when they were really struggling early on the year so thankfully the rest of his teammates have kind of stepped up while he's been gone but yeah like it just goes to show like any injury or any just having these two guys, like your window can be really short to, to contend. And when you have these two guys, yeah, there's the risk of it can go wrong. But at the same time, like you kind of want to push your chips in and kind of give them the best chance they could get. So uh, there is a trade, de- trade deadline coming as well. Um, that's always going to be a topic of conversation, especially in Los Angeles. That trade deadline comes before the all-star break. So we're assuming Hopefully that Anthony Davis is back before that trade deadline, which is February 9th. Uh, we are, uh, what, three weeks away from that? Mm-hmm. If you're a betting man, or if you're just you right now, if you're not a betting man, will the Lakers make a move between now and February 9th? A move? Doesn't matter what, like, the size yeah. of the move? Oh, yeah. I'm not talking they're... about filling their 10-day, their their roster spot with a 10-day <laughs> guy. I'm talking about, will they make a trade? Trade. Yeah. I think they have to. That peer pressure alone is gonna for even if it's the smallest I of mean, trades. Dude, they had a lot of peer pressure this summer and they didn't do anything. So it's true. Um, 
I mean, they did make a trade this summer, though, right? Like, but not the trade we were all thinking. Yeah, but uh, that's what I'm saying. I, I think they'll, they'll they know they have to do something, even if it's to just kind of like get a little pressure off their backs. Like they, you know, everyone there, their their seat is really hot, mm-hmm. um, and they see this too. They see the team's competitive. Like they're like it's worth investing in this team, even if it's something smaller around the margins. I think they have to do something. I just don't know to what degree or how big of a trade it's going to be. Uh, yeah, I think I'm with you on that. I don't last week. I was very, very adamant saying that it won't be a Russell Westbrook trade. I don't think I've budged off that even with the, the mini drama from last night's game. I don't even know if it's drama, but, um, I, I think that I do see a trade and I see something with like a Pat Bev Kendrick Nunn kind of deal. I don't know what that looks like. Obviously, I saw a Bleacher Report thing today, like, you know, ideal trades for everybody. I saw Fred Van Vliet for those two and some picks or something. Um, you know, I think the rumors are endless, but if I am if I were going to go to Vegas and put some money, I'd be like, I would say Pat Bev and Kendrick Nunn get flipped in before the deadline. Yeah, I'm definitely thinking, like, I'd be pretty pessimistic about them trading those two picks in a single deal. Like I think before I I assume they would at some point mm-hmm. to get either some type of star player back or a couple different like veterans and guys who can help immediately back. But I think the more and more time passes and the more and more Russ like is there, I I feel like it's less likely um, because I don't think there's going to be as many options that are suddenly going to op- open up at the trade deadline where that type of deal just like is a no brainer for them. I know they. They've been counting on me like a Bradley Beal or a Zach Levine or someone like that being available. But who knows if any of those teams are what just two first round picks for those guys. Yeah. And those guys have been playing better. Like Zach Levine's been playing better. The Bulls have been playing better. So I, I think I'm with you. I think a more likely bet is training a couple of the guards and maybe one first round pick for something. Do you think that, well, not do you think, would you like a player like Zach Levine or Bradley Beal? I mean, is sure. that is that the answer though? Like, is that going to make them? Is is getting rid of Russ two picks for Brad? I don't know what the trade looks like, but is that is that going to come in here and solve the Lakers' issues and make them way better? They'll be better, right? Like those both those players you just listed that we mentioned. Like, yeah, those are better on court fits offensively than Russ. Both are better shooters, obviously. Both are better um, off ball threats and stuff like that, but. Both also have really huge contracts and you also are playing with fire in terms of how those guys age. Um, Both have had injury history themselves and the Lakers have already seen with LeBron and AD, like investing a lot of money in guys who you have no idea how many games you're going to get out of them uh, every single year. That's risky. And it also makes you have to fill up the rest of the roster with minimum contracts. So I, I personally, I, I would prefer them to go maybe like, go after multiple role players instead, because I just think that that's going to be the better, the better route in terms of longevity and stuff like that. Yeah. I think seeing what they can maneuver in the summer, seeing what their con, what their, you know, salary cap will look like in the summer, seeing who they have to bring back in the summer. Um, at this point, they've worn me down. You know, I think that, uh, we spent so long talking about a Russell Westbrook trade that, uh, I, I just don't even see it anymore. So now I'm just like, okay, well, let's go more on the conservative side. If you can find a role player that that can fit a need, which I know is really 
easier said than done. Like, Hey, let's go get a wing. Let's go get a shooter. Let's go get, you know, that's easy to say that because it's obvious what the Lakers need. Um, but I think I'm almost like, let's just, let's just see what happens in the summer. Don't go making a huge splash and getting rid of those picks and, and then locking yourself into another massive contract. Cause who knows what your team's going to look like in a year when LeBron's 40 years old. Well, like you mentioned the summer and that's something like that we do have to take into account. Right. Because we know they want to go into summer. At least all the reporting is they want to go into summer with that cap space. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's also a factor here. Like do they make any trade, even a trade around the margins where they take back a player who has money for next year also. And I'm not so sure like that, like do they trade a protected first, and get back a player who has one or two more years on his deal, like say Buddy Heald, right? Yeah. Like, do they, even if they could get him for less than a first, do they value him enough to kind of like eat his contract next this summer and have them limit their cap space? Because I, I'm not like so confident about the front office with cap space anyway. Like, I they're know. just going to throw it all at one player. But that's probably, who right? we got, dude. I mean, they're not going anywhere. So I, I just think they're going to run into the same issue, right? Like I do, I don't think they're going to say, okay, we have whatever it is, 28, 30 million, whatever the number is and say, Hey, we can break this up and get two to three guys. They're just going to use all of it and try to get one guy. One guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably, <laughs> probably. <laughs> but then they run into the same exact issues with Russ, even if it's a better fitting player. Mm -hmm you're still then have to immediately turn around and say, okay, now we need to sign seven guys on minimum contracts. Yeah. Which was what Propolinka loves to do. Like that's his been his formula. It's not a successful one, but that's been his formula. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, the one, the one year they won the championship, that's the opposite approach, right? They signed Danny green. Um, they had KCP still there. They had Kuzma still there. They kind of filled around the margins and they kind of filled out a more deep, roster and like obviously not one approach is the right approach but i don't know i i kind of like to, them to kind of lean away from the three-star approach and and stuff like that but it, it'll be interesting if they make a trade and they get someone who is going to be on contract next year then i think that kind of shows their their vision has kind of changed a bit yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens whether something massive happens it, it seems really quiet right now that's why that's why my ears are a little perked up because it's been loud all year long. We've had fake deadlines, we've had wait and see approaches, we've had rumors, and it feels really quiet right now because the people reporting the trades are not really like the big guns, you know, at least from what I've seen. So it seems really quiet, like they could be working on something right now, or maybe I'm just reading too much into the situation. Well, I was thinking, like, as you mentioned, because a few people like release like trade intel articles today right mm -hmm. and like you mentioned the lakers were kind of just briefly mentioned here and there but very slightly there right, is like, no big section on the lakers no yeah the shams article today was literally nba trade deadline what shams is hearing about jacob Pertle, john collins fred van vliet and i'm like oh that i've heard all those guys not all those guys but i've heard two of those guys with the lakers and you start mm -hmm. reading and you're like okay this has nothing to do with the lakers and you keep <laughs> rolling down and you're like oh here's some more nba news and notes and they was just about anthony davis nothing about a trade when was the last it, time Shams wrote a trade article and didn't have the Lakers in it? Yeah. And and I was thinking, like, when's the last time the Lakers have made a trade with this front office, made a trade that came out of nowhere? 
And like the only one I can remember is probably that Danny Green for Dennis Shooter one. Like, cause that one seemed to come yeah. out of nowhere. I, I don't remember any reporting on the Lakers, like wanting to trade Danny Green um, mm-hmm. or even have like Dennis Shooter on their radar. Um, beyond that, like the Russell Westbrook was speculated for a while. Like for we did pods talking about maybe those rumors about a mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook trade. Um, so this front office isn't like entirely known for like working in, in, in shadows, right? Like we, we kind of know when they're targeting a player, like either them or the media, let us know. So unless this, this time around, they're doing something just like totally out of left field. Um, or they're just, you know, I mean, they're clearly play. talking about it. I'll read you the quote yesterday from Darvin Ham. Uh, he was asked by Jovan uh, pregame yesterday if, if there's a position or a skill he feels the Lakers need to add before the trade deadline. And Darvin said, um, you know, obviously we need our guys back. But we talked, but he said, he, this is a quote. We talked about a couple of guys that have been out, like Austin and Lonnie. So once they're reunited in a couple of days, we'll be able to pivot in direction. I can't really pinpoint a need at this point. Shooting always helps, but at the end of the day, our team is coming together. Uh, that's as much as he gives you. But you know they're all looking at something. Like, there's no way Darvin Ham doesn't think that it, a trade wouldn't improve his team. He's got a plethora of guards that he doesn't need. So I know that he's supposed to say all the right things, like, hey, we've had injuries, we've had illnesses, but we're coming together, we're, fight, we're showing fight. But really, he knows, he even said it, you know, shooting always helps. <laughs> so I, I think the Lakers, everybody's looking at doing something. Yeah, but shooting isn't cheap, right? Like, like everyone wants shooting. Everyone wants a wing. Everybody wants shooting. So um, it's going to be up to the Lakers to show that they're willing to pay, like, a premium for that. And I think Rob, even before the training camp, when he did that press conference, when he was talking about how, if the right trade came along, yeah, they would trade those two first round picks. Like they won't be hesitant to, to improve the team. And I think even then he mentioned like getting some more shooting at some point. So yeah, it's been on their like whiteboard, I bet, but yeah, I, it's up to them to see if they can actually go out and get it. Or why did they leave that 15th roster spot open? Why did, why according to reports are they not going to fill that roster spot? Are they going to bring in multiple guys? like a two for one deal or something yeah. like that. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know. Start putting all these puzzle pieces together, Alex. <laughs> and you don't know. Yeah. Cause uh, according to uh, Dan Wakey, the LA times, the Lakers are not going to fill that 15th rather spot with DeMarcus cousins or Myers Leonard or anybody for the foreseeable future, immediate future. That's fine Which, with me too. Like, I, I don't think those guys were going to be a position yeah. of, they're not a position of need in my opinion. Or to a point where it's like worth bringing them in and kind of, I don't know, like, sure, if you do it, whatever. But um, yeah, I think just having a little more flexibility, right, with that roster spot mm-hmm. is probably more valuable at this point. So we will see what happens going forward. But let's talk about what's coming up here. Like we always do these next four games. I think I might be at the Clippers game on Tuesday. If not, oh, nice. I will be at the Spurs game on Wednesday. But um Alex, just assume we podcast on Tuesday after the Clippers game. We got the Kings tomorrow night, the Memphis Grizzlies on Friday, in Portland on Sunday, back in LA against the Clippers. It is a Lakers home game on Tuesday. It is a back-to-back, first of one, uh, one of two. They play the Spurs on Wednesday. Let's just assume we podcast on Tuesday after the Clippers game. Those are four very tough games for them. Yeah, They never beat the Clippers. 
What do you think? Yeah, or even like winning Portland is always really hard for them, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like optimistic would be like two and two. Yeah, um, I say they. I, I I think they go two and two somehow. Portland just beat the Mavericks, but in back to back games, both in Portland. Before that, they lost five in a row. Um, and before that, their only win was against the Pistons. So the Portland, I mean, they did beat the Mavericks back to back times. Um, the uh, Memphis Grizzlies are probably one of, the, you know, an actual title contender. Uh, they haven't lost. Oh man, when was the last time they lost? They haven't lost. I'm just going all the way back since December 27th. They are on a large win streak right now. I don't see them beating Memphis. Um, I am like just I was so positive until I started until now. <laughs> I was I was positive this week on the podcast, but now I'm looking. They can beat Sacramento. They did beat Sacramento yeah. in Sacramento. They can beat Sacramento. That's I don't the think one they're looking at too. I don't think they will beat Memphis. I do think they can beat Portland mm-hmm. and I don't think they'll beat LA. I think two and two is the way they go. Win against Sacramento at home, win against the Clippers at home, lost to Memphis, lost in no, excuse me. Lost to Memphis, win Portland, lost to Clippers. The Clippers haven't been playing good. They've been they've been pretty bad lately. Yeah, they've won some games, but they've like haven't looked good doing it. And yeah. um the only thing with that, like, even when they are playing bad, they're just such a bad uh, matchup, right? They have all mm-hmm. these wings, Lakers mm-hmm. have all these guards, regardless of how bad they're playing, it's just a really tough matchup for the Lakers. So I I, I would look at that game as like winnable. Like they're not playing good. Like the Lakers are arguably playing better than them. Yeah. But it the matchup just kind of dictates that for me. So yeah, I'm looking at the Kings and that Blazers game as possible wins. Yeah, hopefully the Kings, by the way, have won every game since they played the Lakers, but it was two against the Rockets, against the Spurs, and against the Magic. So they're not really beating the world beaters right now themselves. Um, Alex, we shall see. I feel like literally I have finished every podcast this year by saying we shall see because <laughs> there's always something going on. We're not like set in stone, right? Like Memphis is the team. They, they, the, if you're a Grizzlies podcast, you could talk about what you're seeing and don't have to worry about what could be. You're watching your team. If you're the Bucks, you're watching your team. Like, yeah, they might add a guy, but it's not the talking point there. I feel like it has been a talking point for so long. I cannot wait for this deadline to come and go so we can just see what we got and move forward and talk about what's in front of us. But until that comes or until a trade comes, this is what we get to talk about because the future is uncertain for this team whether it be injuries, whether it be trades, whether it be who's going to be the G, everything. It's been so uncertain here for so long that I cannot wait for the deadline to come and go so we can just talk about the game in front of us. I can't wait for that. And even no, then, I'm sure we'll start talking about the summer. <laughs> no, it's funny because like every every injury report is like a is like a no idea what's going on. LeBron's questionable every single game. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's never uh, boring around here. No, it is not. Alex at Alex M. Regla. Catch his work on Twitter, silverscreenandroll.com. Um, and you can subscribe to this podcast on uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, anywhere you listen to audio podcasts. We are there. Uh, Alex, are you writing anything coming up this week for Silver Screen Roll? Yeah, I'll probably have something. I'm not sure yet uh, what the topic is, but yeah, sometime this week. Well, there you have it, everybody. Check it out. Silverscreenroll.com at Alex M. Regla. I'm Alex Padilla at Alex Padilla 86. Alex, we'll talk to everybody next week, man. Cool, man. Thank you. All right.